Welcome to Hollywood Obsessed with Tony Miros, a podcast that celebrates our endless fascination with the iconic people, locations, and history of the entertainment capital of the world. If you're as obsessed with Hollywood as Tony is, or would like to be, get ready to enjoy another exciting brand new episode of Hollywood Obsessed. Now, here's your host, Tony Miros. Hello, friends. This is your host, Tony Miros, speaking to you from the heart of Tinseltown. On this episode of Hollywood Obsessed, I'm excited to be speaking with accomplished character actress, Carol Ita White, who's best known for playing Big Rosie Greenbaum, the pushy nemesis of Laverne and Shirley on the classic TV sitcom starring Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams. Carol was born in New York City, but her family moved to L.A. when she was only six months old, when her dad, actor Jesse White, was brought out to Hollywood to reprise his role from the Broadway show Harvey in the film version, alongside legendary movie star Jimmy Stewart. Afterwards, he became a successful character actor, appearing in dozens of films and TV programs for more than 50 years. And he was best known for playing the lonely Maytag repairman in the classic Maytag television commercials that ran from 1967 to 1988. Carol's first TV job was a TV movie entitled Evil Roy Slade, starring John Astin, Mickey Rooney, and Milton Berle. The movie was written by producer-director Gary Marshall. Marshall then cast her in a small role in his hit TV series, The Odd Couple, and then gave her her big break as Big Rosie on Laverne and Shirley. Carol has appeared on several other hit TV shows like Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, The Love Boat, The Carol Burnett Show, Beverly Hills 90210, the Wayan Brothers, and Profiler. She appeared on several game shows, including The $20,000 Pyramid, and several feature films, including Falling Down with Michael Douglas, The Witches of Eastwick with Jack Nicholson Cher and Susan Sarandon, Grand Canyon with Steve Martin and Kevin Kline, and The Fabulous Baker Boys with Michelle Pfeiffer and Jeff and Bo Bridges. She's also appeared in the 2006 independent film Wannabe, and can currently be seen in popular web series Child of the 70s, and Good Vibrations. Growing up, I was a huge fan of the TV show Laverne and Shirley, and of her character, Big Rosie, in particular. So I'm thrilled that she's here with me today. So let's get the conversation started and welcome her to the podcast. Hi, Carol. Thanks for being my guest on Hollywood Obsessed. I'm so excited to be here. It is a thrill, honestly. I mean, we met several years ago at a rap party for that funny web series that you starred in called Climax, along with my friend Jason Bogue. Oh, yeah. Remember? And he said to me, he goes, I, I was on the show with this woman who was on Laverne and Shirley. I said, who? And he told me who I said, oh, my God, I have to go. I have to go. So he, he took me as his guest and I purposely sat next to you so I could like talk to you about it during the oh, evening. It was fun. You sweetheart. Um. So I wanted to talk, well, we're going to get to Laverne and Shirley in a second, but I want to talk about your dad. My goodness, what a family. The acting bug really runs deep in that family of yours. Tell me about your dad, Jesse. Well, my dad, Jesse, was born in Buffalo, New York, grew up in Akron, Ohio. He had six brothers and sisters. And he always loved entertaining. Mm -hmm. He came out to Hollywood when he was 18. He took a train from Akron with his kid brother, who is tall and pretending to be six. And the conductor <laughs> would come by and say, 
this boy is six, you know, he was a big kid. And uh, anyway, so my dad came out and he got a job working for Mae West. Mae West had a theater in Hollywood on Las Palmas and my dad sold tickets and Mm -hmm. she'd give him little walk-on roles. And she was about to do her first movie And she had a role for my dad, but his mother called from Akron and said, Jess, the beauty supply business that they had door to door, your brother needs you to come help and being a good son. He packed his bag, moved back to Akron. Oh, wow. I know. However, one of his other brothers, an older brother, had moved to New York City. And my dad went to visit him in New York City, saw the lights of Broadway, <laughs> never went home. Right? That's right. He was on Broadway, your dad. I forgot. Right. He. That's how he started. He was in flops. He was in little parts here. But he got lucky with a show called Harvey about a man whose best friend was a huge invisible rabbit. Universal decided to make a movie of Harvey. So after four years on Broadway, they brought my dad, my mom, and me. I was six months old out to Hollywood to make the movie with Jimmy Stewart. And here I am. It's a classic film, too. It's amazing that 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 film still endures. People still love it. Right. right. When you were growing up, did you, I know you were around Hollywood because of your dad and, you know, he was doing lots of TV and stuff. But did you did you have idols? Were you fascinated with movies? Did you have favorite actors or actresses or were they just like, oh, that's my neighbor down the street? <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't know. I like boys and, uh, well, I watched a lot of TV. I watched, I love Lucy. I love Lucy. I love Lucy. I love Lucy. My dad was on the Danny Thomas show, Make Room for Daddy. So of course we watched that. We watched, uh, he was on a series at the same time with Ann Southern private secretary he played kg calhoun and then did another series with her um i don't know if i was a you know like a movie star junkie i used to love ricky nelson and uh you know i was just one of those teenage girls who screamed when ricky came on and (laughs) then i when the beatles came out In 1964, I went to their first concert at the Hollywood Bowl and met them the next (gasps) day. You're kidding. How did that happen? My best friend in grade school was Annie Reiner, Carl Reiner's daughter, Rob Reiner's sister. Mm -hmm. And somehow Carl got tickets to a charity luncheon at someone's home in here in Los Angeles and there was an assembly line and you waited and you I shook hands with Ringo, George, John and Paul. I actually invited them over swimming you know as if 
<laughs> they have time to come to. We didn't even have a pool at my house then, but I invited them over to Annie Reiner's. No, no, sorry, we can't make it, Paul. So we've got a lot of, you know, but that was the highlight of my young life. Wow. Well, that's a pretty impressive highlight, I must say. <laughs> And then your dad, he did a lot of films besides Harvey. He was with Lauren Bacall in Designing Woman and Natalie Wood and Gene Kelly and Marjorie Morningstar. So, you know, growing up, I you know, grew up here in L.A., um, it's the movie business. It's all around you. What's that like for a kid growing up? Was it like, eh, it's just work or? No, it was just um, it was just part of, you know, it's interesting because my dad was a celebrity and we couldn't go anywhere with people not recognizing him, uh, you kind of get used to it. You know, oh, there's Tony Curtis. Oh, there's Gregory Peck. My dad did a play with Gregory Peck down in La Jolla. Gregory Peck had a crush on my mother. <gasps> I mean, you know, weird things like this, but I went to school with Julie Kavner, with Albert Brooks, with Rob Reiner. You know, the list goes on and on. So it's just kind of second nature in my blood. Yeah. Uh, and he was in one of my favorite films. It's a mad, 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 mad world, which I think is the most hysterical movie ever made. And your dad is in the scene where Buddy Hackett and Mickey Rooney are trying to land a plane. <laughs> he's the he's the guy. He's the. He's in the uh, tower. the tower, the radio tower. Oh, my God. It's such a funny scene. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, through my dad, I met a lot of celebrities. But I'll tell you, one of the greatest things I got from my dad, besides his sense of humor, was his sense of professionalism. Um, mm -hmm. I got to sort the people who just want to take your money or take you to the casting couch mm -hmm. and the real deal. And so I now, in addition to still acting, I'm an acting coach and I mentor to young actors. And because, mm. you know, I'm second generation. And if anyone can tell them, hey, this is what you have to do to kind of carve your career out. You know? Right, right. So that brings me tons of joy. Oh, my God. We have to talk a lot about that, too. Um, the last thing I want to touch in with your dad is the Maytag repairman. Oh, oh. I mean, I even remember I grew up watching those. He was the Maytag repairman in those fabulous commercials, and he did them for so long. Did he get recognized everywhere he went? I would imagine. Yes, he was my trophy father in a way. <laughs> he was Maytag, the original Maytag repairman for 25 years, if you can imagine. But that's unheard of, Carol. They don't even do that anymore, I don't think. Well, that's right. Um, he was one of the very first actors who did commercials. And, you know, uh, Stan Freeberg, the great Stan Freeberg, the brilliant Stan Freeberg, got him in. He did what a chunking chow mein commercial and he did this and that. I remember he he took the Maytag thing and it turned into a gold mine for him. However, it had the only adverse 
thing about it was that he was so identifiable with Maytag on trucks, on billboards, you know, that it maybe disqualified him from doing some of the great acting roles he might have wanted to do. Right, Because he was a great character actor. He was the guy that you would see constantly, but you didn't really know his name, but you're like, oh, I know his face. Yeah, I know that guy. He was on the Munsters and Columbo and that girl and Mannix. And I mean, every TV show they had going, you know, he, he, thanks God he worked. Yeah. And he, he okay. worked all the way to the end, right? He was, he did his last episode on Seinfeld. That's right. That was his last job. And it was kind of a, I don't know, a beautiful gestalt, I'll call it, because Jerry Seinfeld met my dad when he was walking down Broadway with his mother, with Jerry and his mother. And my dad, I think, might have been the very first celebrity that Jerry ever got an autograph. And my dad was real kind to him. And so the last job of my dad's life was being on the board of the, I don't know, you know, Jerry's parents had the, had lived in Florida. Oh, the condo board, yes. Jerry gives his dad a Cadillac, and all of a sudden the condo board thinks that the Seinfelds might, might have stole the money to get, you know, because they got a new Cadillac, <laughs> you know. But on that episode was Sandy Barron and William Macy, William H. Macy, who was Maud's husband. Right. He was so kind to me. He loved my dad, and he would, you know, bring my dad lunch and help him to the set and run lines with him so it was a real pleasure and a real gift that last Seinfeld Amazing. and it was a two-parter twice the residuals <laughs> your dad really thought he was two episodes right <laughs> it stretched because they had the they took a, the woman with the marble rye I don't know Jerry stole the marble rye I don't know what but it turned it was so long it turned into two episodes <laughs> what a great show what a great what a great legacy for you to have like you know and I'm sure you learned a lot from your dad um but he how, how old was he when he passed he was 80. He had he was just 80. turned 80. Not so old these days. You no, know? no. People live way to like 100 now. Right? <laughs> they really do. Um, but, you know, the, the commercial thing, one last thing about that. Like that, I have a lot of actor friends and they're like, I just need a national commercial. That's the thing. Right? Is that where they always ask you? It's like, should I just get a commercial and just be happy with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one's happy just doing a commercial. However... I did a commercial. I took my dog. It was for Petco. And I tried to get my dog. I say, Charlie, say Petco, Petco. Of course, Charlie doesn't talk except to me silently, you know. They hired me and it was a Christmas Petco. And they didn't use Charlie. They used a, a trick, you know, a real dog that could do special tricks like jump up in the air in front of me. I'm on the screen for like, it was like little vignettes of different families and their pets. Yeah. Like they used it one year. They used it the next year. I made $23,000 and, you know, just from that commercial for me, it was nice. 
Yes. Why well, say I mean, that's... do anything? Make money so you can go to classes, mm-hmm. so you can go to plays and see, you know, pay your bills. Let's talk about getting into becoming a performer. Did he and did your dad know you wanted to become a performer? How did you get into the business? Of course, of course. However, my mother also wanted to be an actress, and they they met in an acting workshop in New York. Oh. But when my father started to make it, he said, I'm sorry, only one star in the family. <laughs> so my mother had myself and my sister. We were raised respectfully in a beautiful way. And I, my very first play was in Sunday school. It was a Hanukkah play. I was, you know who else was in it? Richard Dreyfus. Really? It was his first play, too. He was Thomas Shamus, and I was Luella the Latka. And, <laughs> you know, from there, it just got better. Then I worked in high school, and I always did improv classes. And, you know, classes are very important for any actor because, you know, it's a knock-you-down business, and you need... You need a community to support you because you dust yourself off when you don't get a part. You say next. That's another thing my father told me. You go in, you do your best. Next, you know. You know, you don't hold on to it. You don't bring it back. That's right. Yeah. So, all right. Um, was he encouraging? Did he's like, okay, go to that commercial, do that, do that audition? Yes. Yes. Oh, sure. And he used to say, make a list of everyone you've worked for, everyone you want to work for, give them a call. Today, you know, it's a little harder to get in touch with people. But if you're clever, you can find out where the production offices are. You call, I would call someone and say, hey, how are you? Okay, Carol, I'm so glad you called. I've got something for you. This is another thing my father taught me, out of sight out of mind so constantly call see who's in action again if you sit around and wait for your agent and i love my agent uh but if you sit around and wait you get old and gray really fast yeah do you tell your students that too just just call people oh i know i make them make a list of everyone of the great movies they've seen lately I make them watch TV for a week and make a list of every show you think you'd be right for. What, who, who just made a movie that really lit us something inside you? You want to work? I say, you got to reach out. I'd love two minutes of your time to introduce myself to you. You're an actor's director. I'm burning to work. I had a student, Griff. Griffiths was, is her name. She loved the man that directed Harold and Maude and Coming Home. Um, Harold Ashby was his name. God rest mm. his soul. She wrote him these letters that I'm talking about. They got married. You're kidding. Wow. So, you know, you, but you, this is half is your talent and half is your administrative fortitude. Mm-hmm. Making those lists, making calls, watching what's happening in the business, doing plays. That's another thing, doing plays. 
So is that what happened? You started doing plays and then you thought, hmm, I'm good at this. I want to pursue this. Or did you just fall into? Well, just so happens. I was in an improv workshop with the great character actor Harvey Lembeck, who was on the Phil Silver show. Mm -hmm. He was in all those beach party bingo movies. He played Eric Von Zipper. So I was in an (laughs) improv group. John Ritter was in it. Penny Marshall was in it. Al Molinero, who, oh, I don't know if you know him from Happy Days. He yeah. Was, you know, Al Molinero, uh, just Lynn Marie Stewart, so many wonderful actors. Well, we'd have so many laughs. But Carol Burnett and her husband came down to the workshop. They said, oh, we love this. We're going to take eight of you. And my first after job was a Carol Burnett show. Oh, how wonderful. Bill Christopher, I, you know, Bill Christopher, he was Father Mulcahy on MASH. Mm-hmm. And I did improvs, did improvs with some of the others. We did two shows. But the network said, nah, this is a little too risky. So we did those shows. That week, I got my first SAG job, a movie for TV called Evil Roy Slade with Mickey Rooney, Dick Sean. Milton Berle was in it, Pam Austin, John, did I say John Aston? John Aston. And that was a fun thing. And did I say Penny was in it? Penny was in it. No, but I read about it and it was Gary Marshall's film, right? Yeah, right. Gary Marshall and Jerry Belson. And they, of course, created the Odd Couple TV show from Neil Simon's wonderful play, The Odd Couple. I did three odd couple shows. And from that, when he did the Laverne and Shirley show in their first half a season or their first season, which came on mid season. Right. I played raunchy girl in pool hall or something like that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, there's Laverne with her date and uh, she and I get into a, fight and she said you know I said I'm gonna rip that L right off of your chest and she'd say you do honey I'll send your teeth to Peoria you know this kind of thing and Gary liked that Laverne had someone to tussle with not Shirley and they could like team up against Rosie so they brought me back as big Rosie Greenbaum bimbo with the bucks (laughs) <laughs> what a great story i mean and big rosie was she was, was she based on somebody was it just gary said just you know go with it and go no hit, she, hit was, she was based on this character of the t- in a way the tough girl in the pool hall but they brought rosie back rosie got lucky she married a proctologist <laughs> a man that followed his dream um and <laughs> so I come back with my credit cards and my furs and I throw it in the girl's face and that's how Rosie was born. I love that that Rosie would call them bimbos. That was the, and it was hilarious. I laughed my head off as a kid. Uh, and that was a number one show it, when it well, came on. It was it was, it was a number, number one show. Number one and number two with Happy Days. Tuesday night, it was all about from eight to nine, Happy Days, then Laverne and Shirley. 
was it when you heard when you heard they were going to bring you back for this part were you like oh my god it's like this is a number one show like oh i've really hit it now um in a way i did i thought i was very very excited because i loved this character this like fit me like you know I couldn't have written anything better for myself I guess I lost a lot of weight between the raunchy girl in the pool hall and when I come back I must have lost 30 pounds Mm. and when I get there the customer wants me to wear a fat suit no I said no (laughs) and I started to cry this might be great Hey, you want me to wear this? Rosie has a big attitude. It's not about her body's, you know, not about her body size. It's about her attitude. So. So you didn't have to wear the fat suit. I didn't. They they relented. (laughs) They're like, okay, just be loud. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's crying. She's crying. Don't make her wear the fat suit. What was Gary Marshall like? Was he very encouraging? You know, it's funny. Gary didn't say very much. Hmm. He didn't talk a lot. He was extremely brilliant. He was extremely funny. Um, Tight-lipped, yeah. What about Penny? Was Penny like that too? Was she very like was introverted? Exactly but- like she's seen. Carol, Carol. In fact, you know, when they signed me up to do Rosie, they signed me up for seven years. What? A seven-year contract. Wow. And the first year, I made 1500 bucks a show. To me, it was a huge amount of money. The second year, I was supposed to get $2,500 a show again a fortune to me back in those days um yeah and they decided not to have me back and they dropped my contract and um gary marshall said well phil foster who played penny's father he came to me and he said carol they're afraid you're so popular. They're afraid you're going to want all the money Fonzie wants on the Happy Days show. You know, they almost mm-hmm. changed that show to Fonzie's Happy Days because the Fonz, man, there was nothing like the Fonz, right? And um, they dropped my contract and Gary, I don't know why. I say it was because I was too damn funny. And there was only 23 minutes of airtime. And I'd come in, I'd get a big applause, I'd get big laughs. And they still had Phil and uh, Mrs. Babish upstairs and Eddie Mecca and Lenny and Squiggy. And and, um, Gary said, when asked, well, what happened with Big... Well, she wanted too much money. He said, I never asked for more money. My agent never asked for more money. I just wanted the 2500 that the contract states. And so why they dropped Rosie. But I'll tell you, after my very first show, 
as Big Rosie, the president of ABC ordered me my own show. Really? Ordered Gary Marshall to write a pilot for Gary, for for Rosie. Huh. Oh, this is a long hair-raising story. Let it suffice to say that that show became Angie. Oh, with Donna Pescow. And I was, oh, this is it for the next episode of the podcast, but I didn't work at Paramount for many years. Some might say I was blackballed. I also had a pilot that I wrote that was being filmed that had my father in it. And Pete, I don't know what they were afraid of for Carol White, like... Wow! Know, this is a, a you know Jim Burroughs directed that show and it was filmed. It didn't sell, but it's um, you know I got I got stories. You'll read it in my book. You know, bimbo with the bucks. I love that. I love that. Right. Before we break to do the second half of the show, I want to yes, ask no. you because um, we did lose Cindy Williams this year. A couple of weeks, months, a month ago. What were your thoughts with Cindy? What was your relationship on set with Cindy like? Cindy was always a very sweet, sweet girl. But when I first came on the show, there was so much she would, Penny would do a bit, Cindy would have to do an equal bit. Mm. All of a sudden, these girls were big stars. Yeah. And they were boom, 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 at each other. In fact, Cindy walked off the show. And occasionally I'd be at the read-through at the table and Cindy, God rest her soul, he said, well, why is Rosie necessary in this scene or this episode for that matter? She would say that? And I'll tell you one thing my father told me. He said, Carol, no matter what happens, always turn the other cheek. So people will say that Carol White, she's a sweet girl. That Carol White is a sweetheart. So me, I clammed up and I just sat there. And I I was in that episode. And again, there was so much infighting for airtime in a way on the show. Right. So, but Cindy, Cindy was an angel. I, I would see her often, often, years afterward. We had many, many friends in common. She was over here. The last time I actually saw her, she came with another friend of mine. She told me I had bad feng shui. I had so many dead plants. She said, get rid of the dead plants. It's bad feng shui. Is that what <laughs> I got? I got to throw out those plants on my balcony then. <laughs> <laughs> um. I have I have Cindy's book, Shirley I Jest. Yeah. And I was looking to see if she mentioned you. She does. She does. Oh, she does. She does. Yes, yes. She talks about. And then there was the sweetest, loveliest, ever so talented Betty Garrett. Betty was cast later in the series because of the producers hadn't created the character of our landlady, Mrs. Babish, yet. Carol White played our nemesis, Rosie Greenbaum, perfectly. That's sweet. That's nice that she said that. But there's a little story here that she talks about how Penny, David, Michael, Eddie, and Phil all had New York accents. Even Henry Winkler, the Fonz, had one when he did a few episodes. 
Of course, these accents were natural because they all came from New York. But my thought was that if I didn't have an accent like theirs, I'd stick out like a sore thumb. I adopted one for Shirley and it was awful. I spoke with it for the first 13 shows until one day Gary Marshall came down to the stage and sat me down. He said something like, it's about your accent. Is it awful? I asked. Gary said, yeah, pretty, pretty much so. Why don't you lose it? And it is true, though. I remember looking at the show going, was this New York? No, it's Milwaukee. But everybody seemed to have a New York accent. Right. Even Rosie. That's right. That's right. People who taught me to talk were New Yorkers. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's very insightful because she had that insecurity that, oh, my gosh, everybody has a New York accent and I don't. Yeah. She was a she was a, a really sweet, talented girl. And she loved to work. She would do, she did the, I'm trying to think of the name of the musical she did. Menopause, the musical, she might've done that in Vegas. I can't remember exactly what the musical was, but she would never stop working and she'd go doing her solo show, her memoir show around the country. She was loved, beloved. Thanks for listening to part one of my conversation with actress Carol Ita White. On the next episode of Hollywood Obsessed, my conversation with Carol continues as we chat about her experience working with comedians Michael McKeon and David Lander, who played Lenny and Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley. What it was like doing her first nude scene in the Barbara Streisand film Up the Sandbox, and the type of advice she gives her acting students about making it in Hollywood. All that and more on the next episode of Hollywood Obsessed. This is your host, Tony Miros. See you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Hollywood Obsessed. Make sure to visit our Facebook page, Hollywood Obsessed Podcast, where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss a single episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in every other Monday for our next episode. That's a wrap.